Hey, welcome to the Morning Mic Check. I'm Pat Brown here with Mike Metzger. Mike and I have known each other for a while now. I first met him around 2010, and he's become one of the key mentors in my life. Over the years, we've had countless conversations, and in almost every one, I've walked away having discovered something new. Mike has this unique ability where he can reframe a conversation, and you begin to discover a deeper reality around you. It's a bit like Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole. I'm releasing these conversations as an invitation to follow me as I go down that rabbit hole. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. So, um, one thing that has come up repeatedly, um, just in, in different conversations, sometimes it's it's far too close uh, for me. I, I see it very, very close. Um, other times it's far away, friends of friends, but um, divorce, and I would say even the cracks of divorce, uh, are increasingly evident. And I, I suspect it's probably... You know, our friend group, we're sort of hitting that like eight to 12 years of marriage range. And uh, just from what I've heard, that's that's kind of around that time where you see a lot of divorces happen. And uh, it's heartbreaking uh, having come through uh, just a, a challenging marriage and seeing the flourishing of that and, and God's blessing of that. Um, it's it, it just it breaks my heart. And. I wanted to hear from you a little bit of, other than sitting and empathizing, um, you know, I don't know how. What What do you do in that? What do you do as a as a believer, particularly of uh, as a friend, as a friend? Um, how do you help people through that? And uh, just really any advice you have, because it's it's really been hard to watch. And, uh, and it seems to be more and more common. So it's pretty open-ended, um, mm-hmm. but it is, it is definitely near and dear to my heart. And I'm, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure where to go. Yeah. So, um, it, I'll throw it over to you, uh, mm-hmm. looking for any input in, in that situation. It's a tough one. It is difficult because uh, your question was, how can you help, which is, I mean, one of the things I, it endears me to you, Pat, but the, it does raise the question, can you help? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. There are, and we could, we could tackle, we could tackle both of those. I think would be helpful because yeah. there are some that I'm like, yeah, probably can't, but there are, there are others that, uh, that I, I've even seen, um, not necessarily pleas for help, but definitely expressions of, I want help. Um, we want help, that type of thing. And right. uh, so, yeah. Good. Well, let's, let's work off that because uh, so Kathy and I married this summer will come up on 41 years. And, um, but I, I think in our experience, we've seen that when uh, marriages get in trouble, they generally go private. And at that point, uh, they're, uh, it could be through embarrassment, through, Obviously, it was uh, it was a stronger social norm many years ago. Divorce, so there would be the uh, embarrassment and understanding also that they are um, uh, might meet with the disapproval of some or might feel judged or whatever. So that, that's one of the challenges is you often uh, the couple goes private, uh, and it's not until you hear, "Oh, we're we're separating," which yeah. a separation is biblical. And uh, Paul talks about, you know, for example, if 
come apart for a period of time for prayer, fasting, or what have you. But a um, but more often than not, a separation is simply the warm up, the warm up band for the big gig uh, that you you pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered. I mean, yeah. just finding a. And of course, states have tried to uh, enact laws that give kind of a cooling off. Like, are you sure you really want to do this? It used to be a year or something like that before you could actually a divorce would be finalized. And but that even that's going away. So let's just assume that you're uh, um, there's a couple in trouble uh, or sensing it. I still return to uh, Diane Vaughn's book on coupling. Mm. And I, I don't know whether we've talked about it before. Yeah, you've but, mentioned that a few times. Different, different yeah. contexts, divorce being one of them. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a, a good starting point in terms of uh, Vaughn's book, probably published 20 years ago. Um, she was married 20 years. I believe she was at Boston College or Boston U, and sociologist. And it's just one of the best books I, I've ever read. I've read a lot of books, so uh, I don't toss that out uh, yeah. like a New York Times bestseller. Um, <laughs> but Vaughn would say there are societal norms for how relationships and friendships come together. So you might be talking to someone and they're saying, oh, you know, hey, we're dating now. And you know, mm, okay. And you can imagine, okay, here's this ascending set of stairs that end up getting married. Um, <clears throat> but Vaughn said there's no, no one's ever really studied how uh, it works the other way. How do you uncouple? And uh, so it was just very helpful because it's never the cataclysmic event that we imagine. It's a series of small steps, and I believe she came up with 10. And the reason that's helpful is when I read the book uh, and I read these 10 steps, uh, I thought to myself, I've been in step one with Kathy. Uh, yikes, I've been in step two. Oh, wow. Uh, so no one's immune from this. It's because it happens as the writer of Proverbs and the psalmist wrote, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding in hands to rest, just a little thing not addressed here, a little thing not addressed here, hmm. then your destruction comes upon you. And so it might be um, um, a slight that I felt Kathy uh, maybe slighted me, and I'm sure the, the problem is far more on my end. But the point is, it's not resolved. Uh, we have tra we have taught couples never say to one another, uh, "I didn't mean it," uh, or "I'm sorry," or "That's okay," or "Forget it," because they're not sorry when you do something, and you won't forget it. Guy can put it as far as, as from the east as from the west, and not choose to recall it. But God is God, and we're not. And uh, so it's all there in the memory bank, and you have access to that. You've got the PIN number, and you can get it anytime you want. Remember, death is not the annihilation of something. It's separation. That's all you have to do is move closer to it. So having said all that, uh, I think for, for just the benefit of our conversation here, Pat, <clears throat> I don't think most people are clear on uh, what, the old Italian prophet Malachi, sorry, Malachi, uh, what he meant <laughs> when he records God saying, uh, I hate divorce. Hmm. Why is that? Uh, especially think about the culture we're in. 
you know, we have hate crimes and, you know, uh, hate is now off the board. You can't use that word. Well, God uses it. He says, I hate divorce. Why? Why does God hate divorce? That's strong language there. Well, I, yeah, I think, I think often we most don't know. I suspect it's hints at, uh, at, at the deeper meaning of marriage. Exactly. Keep going. Well, in the, yeah, I think in, in the, the frame that I have historically operated in just before understanding the marital, marital gospel, I would have said, you know, it's because he tells us not to, you can look at Adam and Eve. That was his design. But I think mm, that doesn't really justify hate or really make sense of hate. Uh, the, where hate starts to really make sense is if, if marriage is the, the core metaphor or the way I like to put it is the, the closest thing that God gives us to really understanding what his relationship with us ought to be is marriage, then divorce is, is, is a uh, symbolic of our separation with, with God. It's, it's, uh, it's exactly the opposite. It's, it's almost symbolic of, of death of, of eternal, uh, eternal death so i think god hates that yes i'm I'm reminded right now of our friend christopher west yeah if he was on this podcast he might say that's good pat keep going you haven't Mm. even gone keep going even go further into the marital gospel Mm. well i mean you could also probably pull apart here if if we're saying divorce is okay, um, or we're not we're not hating divorce, then uh, we're we're totally missing this sacrilegious element of divorce is meant to represent the bride of Christ and his bride, the church, and so therefore, um, divorce is completely. I don't know, misconstruing that, uh, uh, put it, put another way. Another perspective is I, th- I think there's this, uh, our chief aim is to be like Christ. And what was Christ's response was going to the cross, giving his life for his bride. And so for us, particularly as believers to, to embrace divorce is to basically put that element of Christ aside and say, but I'm not willing to, to be that. I don't know. <laughs> I always like when someone, you know, really doing a good job of trying to give voice to it. And then they close it with, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> What's that telling you when you say, I don't know. <laughs> What's that telling you? Uh, uh, tell, tells me I'm lacking confidence. There you go. And you're lacking confidence because, as you just said, you, your faith over the last few years, I know you well enough, it's been widening. Indeed. Your imagination's been widening. And you just hit the frontiers. Yeah. And you go, ah. I mean, I, I feel this every day in my life. I, just, I don't think it's an exaggeration. Uh, that I go, okay, I'm at the frontier right now. But I know this. If God is an infinite sphere, this thing widens out even more. 
help me discover, help me uncover it, Lord. So let me throw this out to you to help you out. <clears throat> Give you a little shot of confidence here beyond <laughs> your morning a cup, of, a cup of coffee. It's, it's easiest to, dis, to distill marriage to these two words, picture and portal. Marriage, Paul said, is a pic, not only is it, it is a picture of the gospel Christ in the church, excuse me, and a portal into it. It's mm. the wardrobe That's in the helpful. Chronicles of Narnia. Now, what happens when you, with divorce, what's it do to the picture? Well, it, uh, it vandalizes it. Mutilates it. Why? How does it mutilate it? And let me pause first of all while you ponder that. Uh, so you you go off and I'll be back ponder that for a second. For a second, <laughs> well, well, I'm going to make it appeal to our listeners. <clears throat> Listen, I don't know how many we're, we may be up to seven listeners, which will we just burst our heart with joy to know that many are listening. But all of us know somebody's divorced. I have very close friends who are, are have been divorced or are divorced. And uh, it would be easy in our <clears throat> flaccid age in terms of how we understand the gospel to go, this sounds very judgmental, which we, I, I want to just put a stake in the ground. There's a difference between what Jesus said. You, you, we're supposed to judge rightly. And uh, I do that when I go to a giant uh, to pick up oranges or pick up strawberries. In fact, Kathy actually gives me a hard time if I don't judge rightly the strawberries I buy. And she goes, take the container and turn it upside down, Mike. Look at the bottom of this thing. Look at these strawberries. I go, oh, dang. That's not judgmental. She's just saying, judge rightly. We do this all the time. The clothes we wear, what we eat, what we're supposed to eat, so on and so forth. Um, you balance your bank check uh, statement, which I hope you do. But that's, that's not being judgmental. And so for us to talk this way, uh, I want to be clear that our friends who are divorced, this isn't a wagging a finger to, you know, naughty you, or you are inferior, but it is, it is a grief that I'm not sure we've gone high and wide and deep enough into the marital gospel that we would go, Gosh, if God hadn't said it, I sure say it. I hate divorce. I hate it. Because hate actually has benefits that we don't understand in our uh, in a in a world we're in right now where we're allergic to the word hate. Rollo May said it best many, many years ago. Uh the opposite of love is, is, is not hate, it's apathy. Hate actually shows you care so much about something that you hate the obliteration of it. So divorce obliterates the picture of the gospel and it, ta it removes the wardrobe from the room. It removes the portal. Now, why does it do it? 
Let's be clear on that first of all. Why? Yeah. How? Yeah. So, and, and the portal is really helpful. I think that was definitely a missing piece. It helps connect the dots for what we were talking about earlier. And I can talk about that in a sec, but mutilates the picture, I think was your question to me. How does it mutilate the picture? And remove the portals. You take on each one. Okay. Oh man, like pressure on this, this conversation today. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> yes, what you get paid the big bucks for. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's funny. My check still hasn't come in. Um, so when I think of, uh, mutilating the picture, it's, it's just hard. It's hard for me to separate. It's essentially it's, it's if, if the gospel is Christ marrying us, then divorce completely walks all over the gospel. How? Uh, how does it walk all over the gospel? I mean, I guess I'd say, shouldn't say that that's lacking confidence. I guess I'd say what I would say is we're, we're allowing our, uh, the Lord's prayer comes to mind when it's like, it's like holding on to a lack of forgiveness when we are told to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Like those two things cannot, cannot fit. You cannot pray the Lord's prayer and have resentment in your heart. Like they don't fit. You can't pray that genuinely in, in the same way. If what we know of the gospel is Christ, even marital gospel aside, we know Christ is our bridegroom and we are the bride. And so when you begin to understand the marital gospel and see that as all the way through creation of God's intent from the beginning of creation was for us to be his bride, regardless of sin. When, when we somehow, uh, you know, divorce is, is essentially depicting the fall all over again. It's, it's what it's walking all over that. And so we're saying, well, we can be <clears throat> saved through the gospel, but we completely lose this redemptive image of, of marriage. I don't know. That's, <laughs> there's my, I don't know, Mike. <laughs> um, out of my depths. <clears throat> See, all our listeners now are going to go, I'm never going to say I don't know. All right? Seriously. <laughs> I'm not going to give away the game. I'm sweating like crazy <laughs> over here. Nah. No, it's... Now that's <laughs> listen we have Pat and I have a good friendship so it is you know we know in part and um and so what you're struggling with let me give you a little help what did Jesus mean what how, what bearing does this have on this conversation Jesus said I will never leave you nor forsake you take that and run with it say that say that let's take that and run with it and what what does divorce do to that promise by Jesus? The bridegroom, as you rightly said, <clears throat> to his bride, you rightly said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, divorce is essentially the opposite of that. Let me be a little more clear. What does divorce do to that picture?
I think maybe, maybe the part where I'm getting lost in the picture is, I mean, again, there, there, there's no congruency there. You, you can't say Jesus as the groom is saying, I will never leave you for, or forsake you. But the, the, the disconnect for me is, well, yeah, but, but in the human realm, that's, that's different. So I, you know, divorce is a grand scheme. It's like, yeah, God, God doesn't divorce us, but, but that's where I think the portal is more helpful for me. Okay. Go ahead. I'm just thinking of very much speaking personally, but also in terms of theologically, you know, if, if our relationship with Christ is, is the bridegroom and the church and we are called to be like Christ one of the greatest avenues the portal into doing that and to to further understanding the gospel to further embodying the gospel to further uh growing in our you know essentially us becoming Christ us being able to never leave and never forsake one another as Jesus commands us to love one another as he has loved us we cannot say to someone else, I'm ending this. We, we, we remove the ability in that case to learn what it means to give of ourselves and to love one another as Christ in his pristine perfection loved a broken, selfish, um, rude, sinful bride. There's no excuse in the in the face of the cross to say i'm i'm done now god does give us some reasons that are permitted and and so we're not talking about the cases for listeners of abuse abandonment you know we we, i don't want to go there now those speaking personally have not been the reasons for divorce and often are not for the divorce conversations that i have been a part of so what we are talking about is one spouse deciding to leave the other for a multitude of, I'm, I'm not, uh, they don't care for me, that we're just out of love, et cetera. But that's where when you're, that's for me, it's the removal of that portal. You no longer have access to that, uh, that experiential embodiment of Christ. Okay, <clears throat> good. You arrived at the word I was hoping you'd say. Embodiment. There you go. The, uh, <clears throat> I've often said, I think that uh, of all the books that Christopher West has written, the most recent one is the best one because the title of the book is Our Bodies Tell God's Story. And where I think you're struggling, Pat, with, and I don't know, it's been a great deal of time circling the airport but you landed it when you said, well, here's what, our bodies obliterate that story. We get divorced, we're saying, and Jesus can divorce you. He can leave you, or you can leave him. By the way, that would be for those of you interested, John 5, 24. The uh, tenses of the verbs used there in the Greek indicate that once you are saved, you cannot unsave yourself. Now, in the embodied marital gospel, this is critical for our conversation here today. 
we often disassociate, oh yeah, yeah, marriage is picture, but it's really more about being redeemed and saved and blah, 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 blah. And we don't understand, you know, the, the Boaz story is he is the redeemer who marries. It's, you can't, you can't break away redemption and marriage. You can't break away. And, and he marries her not as a concept or a principle. He marries her. They are nuptially bound. Nuptial means vow. The vow, but it's bodily. They didn't marry her and they lived in some kind of uh, nun-priest. They were married. And when Christ on the cross married us, that is a marital covenant a la Jeremiah 34 that cannot be broken. It cannot. Pat Brown can decide I may be the bride of Christ, but I'm going to do my thing for the rest of my life. Well, I would urge you to read 1 Corinthians 3 because you've got one hell of a church there in Corinth that doesn't understand this marital gospel. They understand more, almost like what you see in America today. Oh, I go to Biff's church, or, or I go to Charlie's church, or I go to, I'm a Paul, I'm a Paulus, I'm a... And, uh, but they're... They've got a stepson sleeping with his mother-in-law. They've got I mean, a son sleeping with his uh, stepmother. They've got uh, all sorts of debauchery going on. They don't understand their bodies. Paul even says in the sixth chapter, your body is the temple. Your body. And so in 1 Corinthians 3, he warns them, listen, you can't lose your salvation, but everything you're doing bodily is part of building this temple can't have another foundation other than Jesus Christ. But if you literally live this way, when the day comes for the great wedding feast, everything you've done is going to be torched. Everything. Now, he says, but you will be saved. Because Jesus said, I will never leave you. And so when a couple says we are severing our marital bond in their they are embodying that which obliterates the gospel hmm so yeah I mean, not to, not to press it too much, but I think this is why God said, I hate divorce. I'm not like, oh, I understand. It's difficult. Yeah. Mike hasn't been very kind to you. Yeah. I mean, there is, there is a call for, and as you rightly know, noted, <clears throat> there's certainly a call for separation. And there are, there are numerous instances of call for it. But when a couple divorces, the grief is we're actually tipping our hand that we honestly don't believe in an embodied gospel. It's a disembodied gospel. So even though our bodies are telling one story, 
And by the way, this, this is no different there. We're not picking on divorce. It's the same when we read 70% of men are deeply involved in porn. To some degree, and roughly 40, 50% of women and a third of clergy. Uh, where is your body going in porn? It's going, you're going bodily into affairs. How in heaven's name can you do that? And the reason, again, I say, how in heaven's name can you do that is that, now I use the picture that is uh, that uh, Solomon wrote in the, in the Proverbs. Pat, would you today uh, take an acetylene torch and take off your clothes and turn, turn that uh, torch on and turn it toward your chest? No. Oh, come on, really? I mean, what kind of, but you're a stud. <laughs> Why wouldn't you do that? It'd be quite painful. <laughs> and yet he writes, can you take fire to your soul? Can you do that? It's a rhetorical question. Hell no. But you can take adultery into your soul and you feel like, huh, I mean, I've actually had and read about people who have said, no, it's amazing. I've really struggled with porn most of my life, and I know I'm deep into it right now, but God's really blessing my ministry. Because, you know, we're human. What? That is a disassociation from your body. It's a, it is, I think, one of the downfalls of the whole 150-year-old industry called worldview. That if we just get our worldview right and make, and make darn sure we know why their worldview is wrong, and we just stay on the level of worldview, me, one, of our, one, of, one of our most famous evangelists we've noted here passed away a year or two ago, was one of the chief rhetoricians on worldview and had over 200 women in his Rolodex, if you want to call it. And how can you live with that kind of disassociation? How? How can you take an acetylene torch to your body? It's because you would have, your brain would have to be telling you, you're not going to feel this. This isn't going to hurt. So... There, there's this, this phase before divorce where um, I've seen it just in, in hurting marriages. I felt it in my own where there's this sense of uh, sure I can quote unquote be Christ but uh, I'm not called to be a doormat and so I'm not willing to let my spouse walk all over me and take mm -hmm. advantage of me Mm -hmm. which from the outside perspective is evident of, um, well, it's just evidence of, of deeper problems. Sure. Um, but how do you, how do you navigate that conversation with someone? Yeah, that's a great question for the sake of time. Um, there were a couple of things we wanted to touch on cause, uh, no, I take that back. I think it's I think it's important that the lion's share of this 
podcast was an attempt to feel what God feels. Because otherwise, we can we can glide through mm. passages like you just mentioned and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, unless a grain of wheat falls in the earth and dies, remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. We got to stitch that and put it on the wall. <laughs> um, we are, as Robert Bella pointed out, and I recommend this book to evangelicals. We are the chief embodiment, he claimed, of expressive individualism. That is, it's most important that I express my faith as I understand it. And if I understand that God wouldn't want me in something where I'm miserable or walked on or doormat or uh, or she's had affairs or blah, 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 blah. I mean, I mean, I'm I mean, I actually we actually heard a couple once where the person had been stepped on said uh, my attitude might not be right, but I know I'm forgiven. Well, that's in other words. So I have carte blanche to express my individualistic take on the faith any way I want. Now, <clears throat> how do you square that with the book of Hosea? Yeah. God says, yeah, enough said. Is Here's a prophet. He grieves just as God does. And God says, well, you're going to embody something to, to drive the point home. You're going to marry Gomer, the prostitute. And guess what? She's not going to be faithful to you. Guess what? You'd have to go downtown and find her on street corners and bring her home. Guess what? You're not going to slap her. You're not going to beat her. You're not going to divorce her. I don't see a long line of men lining up for that. I got my rights. You know, I got my... Now, I want to be clear. I'm not... <clears throat> There are two great epochs, and uh, Kathy and I experienced that first epoch. Uh, three kids down, and you know we had pop, 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 and we were you know running pillar to post, and I think it was, it was ten years into our marriage, and um, you know we were out of gas, um, in, in all sorts of levels, including sexually, and um, I took her to a park, and I just poured out my soul and said, "Listen." I, I don't want to be a sort of man that does badly. Well, I'm protecting our private conversations, but the fact of the matter is it was, um, I'm human. And, and I was, it was a plea for help. <clears throat> and we got into good counseling with a good friend of ours. And uh, I would say, I think it was six to nine months later, I mean, we're at a different level in our marriage, and it really, it's been um, just better and better and better. But we became, we became adult to adult. But if I hadn't had that conversation, I, <clears throat> I can't, you know, make, you know, oh, yeah, I, I do fine. And the old joke is you never understand divorce until you get married. And mm -hmm. you never understand childbirth abuse until you have kids. Mm-hmm. And um, so I understand that. And I understand that the studies do show, I mean, you have uh, a couple of children and it's quite often the sexual desire in the wife um, pretty much dissipates or with menopause. You also have the, the woman, uh, a lot of drying of the, of the 
vaginal. Um, and so when you have that happen, that's, and that happens, that coincides with the second great wave of divorces. And uh, so I can't account for, obviously, all the reasons for the divorces, but <clears throat> you have in the, in the uh, mid-50s, somewhere in there, the second great wave hits. And um, it, it is often, frankly, uh, talked about that um, um, the wife feels uh, pushed, the, the, the uh, sexual life is not as fulfilling as it had been at one time, and the husband is not considerate. And, um, and the husband begins to go, gosh, she's got some sags and bags. And, um, they, uh, I can't think of the books around this, but there's actually, um, this, the, these remarkable studies talking about men hit this certain age and, uh, they start looking for 30 something women they are not looking for, but they run into, and there's someone who hasn't had babies and. Uh, you know, has this trim tummy and what have you. And um, so they actually talk about there is a, uh, there's not equivalency of uh, male-female in the 20s and 30s because older men actually uh, marry younger wives the second time around. And uh, it's a fascinating dynamics going on there. But again, a lot of it is because we don't understand the bodily marital gospel we don't understand what's happening bodily. And bodily what's happening, and that includes our sex lives, is these two great epochs where they, more often than not, hit the skids. And if you don't get some help, um, I am reminded of what Yeats wrote in his poem, The Second Coming, that you almost apt almost exactly described a moment ago, Pat. Remember he when he said, the center cannot hold, things fall apart. And what you find is, it's only in my, I don't think I'm alone in this, but I'll put it this way, it, in my opinion, only the marital gospel is, is the center is strong enough to hold couples together who even when they hit the skids go, but honey, we're married to Jesus. And our bodies are telling this story. And this story is our eternal story. It's the greatest love story ever. And even though right now we want to argue and fight and we're just, you know, but, but it's just, we can't get divorced. We just can't because we feel what God feels. We hate it. So we even hate the people we're becoming right now. And we're going to get whatever help it is. I remember, and it just reminded me, we had a couple that was over the other night for dinner. And that we married Stu and Joyce, gosh, I don't know how many years ago. Um, I say we, I officiated the ceremony, but we did the premarital. And I don't believe they said, you know, the biggest thing we remember when you did premarital for us, I said, no. <laughs> um, they said, he said, divorce is not an option. You can't even entertain it. You can't even joke about it. I won't marry you if it's an option. And they said, we never forgot that. 
And they said, and it's never been an option. And uh, I, you know, the opposite of love is not hate. It's apathy. And apathy is when you're just worn out by um, my sex life isn't fulfilling with my wife or um, we haven't had sex. Oh, yeah, I had a couple of once come and said, we haven't had sex in 10 years. And uh, I said, well, you guys are really in trouble. He goes, yeah. But to their credit, the guy said, but I don't want to get divorced. But apathy is when I think the whisper in your ear, mm. you'd be a lot happier if you just could sever this thing. Mm. And I know where that voice comes from. And I don't think we are in a faith tradition in the Western world that that is part of our flesh and blood body. It's a, it's a notion that's took far away in the corner of our brain. It says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah Jesus occasionally mentions he's the bridegroom and, uh, and, um, and he wants me to you know, be like him and, uh, and, and he's my buddy and I'm going to have him. Damn, I'm so tired of my spouse. And we fight all the time. I just can't put up with it anymore. I won't put up with it anymore. I deserve better than this. I'm tired of this. Um, and then all the notions of lay down your life, whatever, what, whatever. You see, 95% of the Bible goes out the window because it's not part of your body. It's lodged somewhere in the corner of your brain. And your, the rest of your brain will rationalize, come up with reasons why you will be happier if you just divorced. 